everyone. You're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today again with my wife, Jenny, and we are looking at 2 Samuel 7 as well as uh, 1 Chronicles 17. That's why we repeat ourselves a few times. Many times. (laughs) I was going to say, as a matter of fact... (laughs) Uh, The hot take for the evening is that Jenny thinks it's completely a waste of time to read over the same thing twice. Uh, Actually, while I was reading it, she was actively rolling her eyes at me and pretending like she was sleeping. So pretending. (laughs) We're off to a fantastic start, and everything is fine. Don't worry about us. Um, What sticks out to you as we like go over this whole reading, Jenny? Like, what what was what were you taking away from it? Um, I was really interested in the fact that Nathan was talking about. Um, how God kind of like gives that little bit of a warning to David, like, hey, don't focus so much on where I'm at or what I'm in. Yeah. But I guess more or less focus on the fact that. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like David is trying to say like, hey, you are so important to me, God, I want to build a place for you. Right. And God's like, whoa, like chill out. Like you don't need to worry about that right now. Actually, mm-hmm. I have a blessing for you. Uh, and what's interesting is that basically that blessing is that he is going, David, like David's line is going to be a dynasty. It's going to be a king, uh, like a kingship that never ends. Mm-hmm. And so what what we can read in first, or sorry, Second Samuel 7, as well as First Chronicles 17, uh, is basically a prophecy about how David's descendants were, are going to reign as kings forever. So you can look at this and you'd be like, oh, this is about Solomon. Uh, but actually, even bigger than that, you can look at that and say, oh, this is definitely about Jesus. Uh, because there's, there is, in the, in the grand scheme of things, with uh, descendants of David being kings, there is a time where this kingdom splits. Uh, the kingdom does not exist in the way that they're used to thinking of that kingdom. And so there must be some bigger meaning to this agreement that God is making with David, this blessing that he's given to him. And ultimately, that is that there is this Messiah coming, this King of Kings, who will be from the line of David that will reign forever. So does David know that Jesus is a part of this whole thing yet? I, I don't think so. I don't think that David hears this and is like, oh, okay, the Messiah is going to come from my line. I think David hears this, and actually, I mean, we, we can actually get that from the text. He's pretty excited that he's just going to be like a forever reigning king. Mm-hmm. Um, I think further than that, I think it, it should not surprise us then when Jesus hits the scene in like the first century, that people expected him to be like a ruling, warring king. Mm-hmm. Um, like David, because actually we're going to move from this passage about the kingdom of David lasting forever into these passages about David warring Mm -hmm. and just like basically like taking over massive pieces of land and kingdoms uh, in pretty vicious ways. Actually, as a matter of fact, you did not like that very much. Mm -hmm. No, but before we even get into that, I was thinking also, I think he's a little bit uh, his vision is a little narrow because as he's moving forward, he's like, okay, great. So the box thing was wrong or the tent thing was wrong, but we are going to have this like dynasty of kings that moves on forever and ever and ever. So it it turns into maybe this <clears throat> thinking or presumption that it's going to be all these victories, 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 when in reality, it's going to be Jesus. I think that has like a little bit of life application too. Sometimes we think one thing. But actually, we're intended for a completely different purpose, and we just don't know it. 
we just kind of like assume that God's working in one specific way, but he's actually working in a completely different way. Or many others. Yeah. And I, I think that that misconception, it actually plays out over a lot of time to where you get these people that are constantly looking for this like militaristic deliverer. Uh, and they don't get that. They get mm-hmm. this like humble, peaceful king that allows people to kill him. That seems like completely the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you tell everyone how you feel about the second part of this passage? Because Jenny has some some thoughts. <laughs> well, as we were reading over things twice, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found it a little disturbing that people were laid out based on how tall or short they were. And then basically, you know, half were killed off and the other portion of them were allowed to just go free. So <laughs> it's a little disgusting. Thank you for painting it exactly that way. <laughs> um, basically what she's referring to is second Samuel eight. Uh, David takes uh, Moab and when he takes Moab, he has everybody lay down and measures them off. And he, what a dumb way <laughs> he executes two thirds of them and spares one third of them. This is a little bit weird um, because not like who's the worst. Well, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's strange. And some of the commentaries that I read were like, hey, this is kind of perplexing as to why he would be so harsh on the people of mm-hmm, Moab. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not that far removed from the people of Moab. Um, because of? Well, Ruth had descended from Moab. Uh, and also when he was warring with Saul, the Moabites were supposed to take care of his parents. So one of the assumptions is that the Moabites had treated his parents harshly. Hmm. And so he was like very much not in favor of them. Um, but I think it's, it's important to remember too, that God is exercising judgment um, in a lot of different ways throughout these stories. We actually see God exercising judgment on his own people um, through vicious, brutal wars uh, and violence. I mean, it's just, it's just a violent time. Um, and so in a lot of ways, when God exercises judgment it's because people have an opportunity to know him and obey him and follow him. Uh, and when they don't, there's judgment on them. It actually happens to the Israelites. It, it also happens to the people around them. We see that happening to the Philistines. Uh, it's not hard to see that happening to the Philistines because a lot of this story has been just how anti-Yahweh the Philistines have been. Uh, and and again, like in a lot of ways, they've been painting this picture of how the there's the followers of Yahweh and there's the followers of these idols. And actually, the like the the previous kind of like praise song that we read, David's talking about how Yahweh is the only true God. All these other nations are just worshiping worthless idols. Mm-hmm. And so God is exercising judgment on all these other places, and obviously in pretty uncomfortable ways. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to God's Whole Story. Uh, we will be back again tomorrow, so we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Second Samuel 7, starting in verse 1. When King David was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night the Lord said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. 
I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of the heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in a pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth, and I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people over Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies." Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple, for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod, like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. 1 Chronicles 17 When David was settled in his palace, he summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of the Lord's covenant is out there under a tent. Nathan replied to David, Do whatever you have in mind, for God is with you. But that same night God said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. You are not one to build a house for me to live in. I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. My home has always been a tent, moving from one place to another in a tabernacle. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's leaders, the shepherd of my people. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth, and I will provide a homeland for my people in Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will defeat all your enemies. Furthermore, I declare that the Lord will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and join your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple, for me, and I will secure his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take my favor from him as I took it from the one who ruled before you. I will confirm him as king over my house and my kingdom for all time, and his throne will be secure forever." So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in his vision. 2 Samuel 7 Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty? Do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things, and you have made them known to your servant. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. 
What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from the slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourselves when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations and gods and stood in their way. You made Israel your own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that you will last forever. Concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that you will last forever. And may your name be honored forever, so that everyone will say, The Lord of heaven's armies is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, I have been bold enough to pray this prayer to you because you have revealed all this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For you, O God, O sovereign Lord, your words are truth, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you have spoken, and when you grant a blessing to your servant, O sovereign Lord, it is an eternal blessing. First Chronicles 17 Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And now, O God, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. You speak as though I were someone very great, O Lord God. What more can I say to you about the way that you have honored me? You know what your servant is really like. For the sake of your servant, O Lord, and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known. O Lord, there is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people, Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations that stood in their way. You chose Israel to be your very own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. May it be a promise that you will last forever, and may your name be established and honored forever, so that everyone will say, The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, is Israel's God. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. O my God, I have been bold enough to pray this to you, because you have revealed your servant that you will build a house for him, a dynasty of kings. For you, O God, O Lord, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now it has pleased you to bless the house of your servant, so that it will continue forever before you. For when you grant a blessing, O Lord, it's an eternal blessing. 2 Samuel 8 After this, David defeated and subdued the Philistines by conquering Gath, their largest town. David also conquered the land of Moab. He gave the people. He made the people lie down on the ground in a row, and he measured them off in groups with a length of rope. He measured off two groups to be executed for every one group to be spared. The Moabites who were spared became David's subjects and paid him tribute money. David also destroyed the forces of Hadiezer, son of Rahab, king of Zobah, when Hadiezer marched out to strengthen his control along the Euphrates River. David captured a thousand chariots, seven thousand charioteers, and twenty thousand foot soldiers. He crippled all the chariot horses except enough for a hundred chariots. When Arameans from Damascus arrived to help King Hadiezer, David killed twenty two thousand of them. Then he placed several army garrisons in Damascus, the Aramean capital, and the Arameans became David's subjects and paid him tribute money. So the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. 
David brought the gold shields of Hediezer's officers to Jerusalem, along with a large amount of bronze from Hediezer's towns of Tirba and Barathani. When King Toy of Hamath heard that David had destroyed the entire army of Hediezer, he sent his son Joram to congratulate King David for his successful campaign. Hediezer and Toy had been enemies and were often at war. Joram presented David with many gifts of silver, gold, and bronze. King David dedicated all these gifts to the Lord, as he did with the silver and gold from the other nations he had defeated, from Edom, Moab, Ammon, Philistia, and Amalek, and from Hadiazar, son of Rahab, king of Zobah. So David became even more famous when he returned from destroying 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He placed army garrisons throughout Edom, and all the Edomites became David's subjects. In fact, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. 1 Chronicles 18. After this, David defeated and subdued the Philistines by conquering Gath and its surrounding towns. David also conquered the land of Moab and the Moabites who were spared because David's subjects paid him tribute money. David also destroyed the forces of Hadiazar, king of Zobah, as far as Hamath, when Hadiazar marched out to strengthen his control along the Euphrates River. David captured a thousand chariots, seven thousand charioteers, twenty thousand foot soldiers. He crippled all the chariot horses except enough for a hundred chariots. When Arameans from Damascus arrived to help King Hadiazar, David killed twenty-two thousand of them. Then he placed several army garrisons in Damascus, the Aramean capital, and the Arameans became David's subjects and paid him tribute money. So the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. David brought the gold shields of Hadiazar's officers to Jerusalem, along with a large amount of bronze from Hadiazar's towns of Teba and Kun. Later, Solomon melted the bronze and molded it into a great bronze basin called the sea, the pillars, and the various bronze articles used at the temple. When King Toy of Hamath heard that David had destroyed the entire army of King Hadiazar of Zobah, he sent his son Joram to congratulate King David for his successful campaign. Hadiazer and Toy had been enemies and were often at war. Joram presented David with many gifts of gold, silver, and bronze. King David dedicated all these gifts to the Lord, along with the silver and gold he had taken from the other nations, from Edom, Moab, Ammon, Philistia, and Amalek. Abishai, son of Zeruiah, destroyed 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He placed army garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's subjects. In fact, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. Psalm 60. You have rejected us, O God, and broken our defenses. You've been angry with us. Now restore us to your favor. You have shaken our land and split it open. Seal the cracks, for the land trembles. You've been very hard on us, making us drink wine that sent us reeling. But you have raised a banner for those who fear you, a rallying point in the face of attack. Now rescue your beloved people. Answer and save us by your power. God has promised this by his holiness. I will divide up Shechem with joy. I will measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh too. Ephraim, my helmet, will produce my warriors, and Judah, my scepter, will produce my kings. But Moab, my washbasin, will become my servant, and I will wipe my feet on Edom, and shout in triumph over Philistia. Who will bring me into the fortified city? Who will bring me victory over Edom? Have you rejected us, O God? Will you no longer march with our armies? O please, help us against our enemies, for all human help is useless. With God's help, we will do mighty things, for he will trample down our foes. 
Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.